1: The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. From the primordial seas, there emerged an organism that over the millenniums evolved into what we call a human being. His brain developed, and with it, his curiosity. Life was crammed with puzzles, problems, and enigmas, even as it is today. And now, as then, there are human beings looking for answers. Oh, did you hear that, Luke?
2: Hear what?
3: A dog barked three times.
2: Uh, One of the valley dogs, Oscar.
3: That that was no valley dog. That was the big black dog. The, The big black dog that barks three times when somebody dies.
1: Our mystery drama, The Judas Kiss, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Erick and stars Fred Gwynn, It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Most of us spend our lives earning money, tending a home, raising children, and in between, seeking pleasure. But there are those who have small interest in such things Early in life, they become perplexed by some riddle of existence and from that point on, devote themselves to its solution. Such a one is the protagonist of our story.
3: My name is Oscar Aptheker, and I live in a place called Tipton. You've never heard of either one, did you? Well, one day you'll hear of me but chances are you'll never hear of Tipton. Tipton is dying, if it was ever alive, which I doubt. The story goes that a man named Tipton came over the mountain a hundred years ago, looked down in the valley, and decided, on the spot, that this was his promised land, a place where great and good people would live in peace and harmony, write great books, compose great music, paint great pictures, and think, great thoughts. Well, he bought up the mountain in the valley and offered a quarter of an acre to anyone who'd put up a house. Any kind of a house. Well, that was a hundred years ago. And if anybody ever produced a book or composed a symphony or painted a picture or thought a thought, well, I haven't heard about it. Right now, there are fewer than 500 people living in Tipton. I have a log cabin on the side of a mountain. And the only time I go into the village is on Saturday night. To have two short beers.
2: There's your beer, Rocky. Uh, how are things? Well, same as always. Yeah, that's good. It is? Yeah. I see, friend of yours just came in. Who's that? Uh, Luke Marbury. He's from Oldenburg, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, uh, county sheriff, isn't he? Deputy. Uh, uh, just a deputy. Yeah, we don't see him here much.
3: He owns a couple of shacks up in the mountains. Comes over from Oldenburg to collect the rents.
2: Uh, he spotted you. Yeah. And Archie, hey there, Archie. Luke. Uh, is it okay to sit down here? Take a, take a stool. Yeah, a beer for me. Okay, Mr. Marbury. Uh, nice to see you in the place. Having trouble with your collection? It's, it's not the first of the month. No, nah, no trouble at this time. Far from it. I rented that cabin above yours to a lady. I just come from getting her settled in. <laughs> Was a pleasure, believe me. Oh? Well, what a looker. Not young. Forty, maybe. But not bad. Not bad at all. Paid me in advance, too, for the whole summer. Wait till you see her. Well,
3: oh, oh why should I see?
2: Well, I thought you'd want to add her to your customers. The old cabin, well, it's like the rest of them, you know. No gas, no electricity, no running water, chemical toilet, etc. cetera. Uh, she's going to need somebody. Y- she can live there by herself? And that's what she says, <laughs> if you catch my meaning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you want to, well, it's a few dollars a week for you.
3: Uh, what's, what's your name?
2: Enid. Enid Grant. Enid. Oh, what kind of name is that? <laughs> Search me.
3: Listen to that. Do you hear that?
2: What? That
3: the dog barked three times. No, one of the valley dogs. That was no valley dog. That was the big black dog. The, the one that barks three times when somebody dies.
2: Oh, come on now, Oscar. Don't
3: you know about the big black dog? When Peter Tipton came over the mountain, he had a big black dog with
2: oh, him. Oh, Oscar, that was a hundred years ago. And the
3: ghost of that dog, or his descendants, or, 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 or whatever, has stayed on. That's the truth. Stayed on. Up in the mountain, he never comes into the village. And when somebody dies, he signals to
2: his master to, to be the dipton. i scared for Pete's sake. Hey, Mr. Marver. Miss Marver. Yeah, you better get to the Doniger place. Uh, what's up? Ed Doniger just shot his wife. Uh, they're taking her to the hospital in and, and Ed's just sitting there with the gun in his hand. Uh, get right up there. Here, uh, i see you, Luke. See you. Uh, I hope Louise Doniger is all right. She's dead. What? Louise Doniger is dead. How would you know? The big black dog barked,
3: didn't he? They tell me Luke took Ed Doniger off to jail in Oldenburg. They say Ed kept muttering that Louise drove him to it. (laughs) The next morning, I went up to the cabin Luke had rented to a lady named Enid. Enid Grant he'd already put up some curtains in the windows. Huh? Red they were. Bright red.
4: I, uh, knocked on the door. John? Is that you, John? I'll be right there. I didn't
3: know the kids can kept... Oh. Mrs. Uh, Enid Grant? Yes? Luke Marbury told me you'd rented this cabin. I, I, I live down the mountain. Oh. Well, uh, Come in, Mr... Uh, Oscar. Uh, Oscar Aptheker. Oh, yes. Well, come in, Mr. Aptheker. Uh, that won't be necessary. I just wanted to tell you if you need anything done around the place, I, I... I... I do that sort of thing.
4: Well, I'm sure there'll be lots of things. I don't know. I haven't looked around. All I've done is put up some curtains.
3: Yeah, I... I, I noticed. But, you know, later on... I prime pumps. I uh, carry away the trash. I empty the toilets. I... I serve a lot of the summer people.
4: Oh, well, I hadn't realized, I hadn't thought. It
3: cost you $4 a week, and I come by every other day.
4: Oh, well, that would be fine. Yes, I'd appreciate that.
3: Okay, I'll start tomorrow. You got yourself a deal.
4: Thank you, Mr. Eptica.
3: Uh Oh, uh, you going to occupy this place all by yourself?
4: Well, uh... Temporarily. A friend may join me later.
3: Oh, there's bears in in, in these woods. Bears? Really? Oh, never heard heard of them hurting anybody. Still, you you ought to have a gun.
4: Oh, no. No, I I don't want a gun.
3: Till your friend gets here, you ought to have one. No, really. Well, see you tomorrow. Uh, About this same time. Yes,
4: and thank you again.
3: Don't mention it, Mrs. Enid Grant. I went hunting early the next morning for about an hour Brought down a few rabbits Then it came time to start making my calls on the summer people And around ten o'clock I found myself at Mrs. Enid Grant's cabin
4: Just a minute,
3: I'll be right there Oscar Apfiker Good morning Good morning your, your pump working all right? Uh, yes, it seems to be. Got enough cash see? Oh, yes, the lamps work just fine. Gotta keep the mantles clean. You, you're, you're not used to living like this. Well, no, but I like it. I miss having a telephone. The only telephones are in the village. You can't get the company to stretch the wires up here. We mostly use the payphone in the bar. Uh, you know where the bar is? Uh? next to the filling station? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh,
4: thank you, Mr. Asperger.
3: I I, I I shot some rabbits this morning. Oh, 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 would you like to have one? You yeah, well i got a big jack right here. I could let you have. Uh, no, no. I really wouldn't know what to do with it. The oh, best way is to make a little batter. Dip them in a the batter and fry them like chicken. No, really, I couldn't. Oh, it's easy. Oh, it's oh, oh. Oh, you don't know how to skim it. Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, I couldn't. I'll skim it for you and cut it up. I I, I wouldn't charge you any more for it. Rabbit's very tasty. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll bring it back up this afternoon. All right, about 4 o'clock. All right, about 4 o'clock. He uh, right,
4: right, about, about John, so well, you finally got here.
3: Uh, I'll bring it up about 4 o'clock. Uh-oh. Up in front of the cabin. Looked like a foreign car to me. Big tall guy gets out. Got a jacket on, could blind me. <laughs> the two of them run at each other and throw their arms around each other and start to kiss. <laughs> I, I just walked away. When I went back to Mrs. Enid Grant's place that afternoon, I got a better look at the fella couldn't have been any more than about, say, 25 or, 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 or 26. And I'd seen her, talked to her. <laughs> Luke was right. She had to be 40, uh, maybe more. Well, I left the rabbit all skinned and cut up in front of the door to her cabin. I could hear noises inside. I started to walk away, and then I went back and left my gun leaning up against the door. What the heck, I, 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 I had three other guns, uh, and and I, I went home. Now, th- there's something I haven't told you, I uh, haven't told anybody up to now. I have what you might call mystic powers. I, I, I don't know if I was born with them or if I developed them from living alone all my life. Uh, whichever, or or or, or whatever... I can hear things from a long ways off. I can hear things, and I can see them, too. Clear as if they were on a moving picture screen right in front of me. I'm what some people call a traveling clairvoyant. Uh, Now, a clairvoyant works best when he's sitting or standing in a very small space. A, a, A small room will do it. But I found something better than that. Outside my cabin was a tree a big old pine tree. It had been struck by lightning a long time ago, and it it was stone dead, and the winds and the rain had rotted out its insides, and it was hollow. When I wanted to use my powers, I went and stood inside this old dead tree, and that's what I did now.
4: Oh, Don. Donald, hold me. Kiss me. I thought you'd never get here. Enid. Tell
5: me you love me. Oh, you know I do. And tell me
4: everything will be all right. It will. It will. Kiss me. Kiss me.
3: She got her claws into him. That that witch. That that female. He... I once read something by, by a man named August Strindberg that that, that said female love is fifty percent sexual desire. And 50% hate. When a woman loves a man, she hates him because she is tied to him and feels inferior to him. He he was a great writer, that, that August Strindberg, and he knew everything there is to know about women.
1: If August Strindberg knew everything about women, he's the first, last, only man who ever did. Even Sigmund Freud was driven to asking despairingly, what do women want? Well, both great men are dead now, though their writings remain. If they were to come back today, there are an awful lot of women who would at least attempt to answer them and maybe set them straight. I'll be back with that too, shortly. Oscar Apsbecker has described himself as a traveling clairvoyant. By standing in the hollow of a dead pine tree, he's able to see and to hear encounters taking place at long distances. In this manner, he has told us, he saw and heard Enid Grant's meeting with a man much younger than herself. Tell me you love me.
3: You know I do. Kiss me. Kiss me. Kiss me got her claws into him, that, that, that witch, that that female, for shame! a man who could be her son, it, it was obscene. I wondered how long it would take before she destroyed him utterly. Not long, I fancied. Oh, I continued to go to her house twice a week, took away the trash, emptied the toilets, even brought her some kerosene when she said she needed it. I didn't know what was catched out of the young man, but when I did, it seemed to me he was getting more listless, more more lifeless, but I, I couldn't be sure. So I took to going into my hollow tree and calling on my mystic powers of clairvoyance.
4: Oh, isn't it heavenly? The woods, the clean air, so fresh. Oh, great. And you and me. Yeah. That's the best part. You and me.
3: In a blue shirt and blue denim pants and she had on something long and red. The same color as the curtain she'd made as soon as she got there. Bright red. Brightest blood. She just wanted to lure him to his destruction. That's all she wanted. That's all any of them wants. Oh, it gets kind of cold up here in the mountains.
4: Darling, are you cold? Not,
5: not warm, for the middle of July. Lie closer to me. I'll keep you, warm. Maybe I'd better light a fire in the stove. You
3: think so? I could see him get up to put some coal in the Franklin stove. Good, I thought. He's resisting it. He's not giving in to her wild. He's going to escape. Get away, young man, I said under my breath. Get away before it's too late. I began to have hopes for him that he'd get into his little yellow foreign car and go, go far, 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 far away. And that night, in my hollow tree... John, What? Do you like this? Do I like what?
4: (laughs) This negligee. Do you like it on me? Tell me. Do you like it?
5: You want the truth? No.
4: You don't? I thought you'd love it. I I was saving it. What are all those ruffles and those ribbons? You don't like them? Well,
5: they're for a young girl, aren't
3: they? Good, 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 good. I thought I could see him stretched out on the couch, see her standing in the door to the bedroom, dressed in this frilly, ruffly thing, all all pink and blue and white, with with a big red rose at the waist. Ridiculous. She, She looked ridiculous. And he was beginning to see through her. Good, good. Next day, when I went to collect the trash, things were very somber around your cabin, believe you me. And that night, as I stood in my hollowed-out pine tree, I heard them. Oh, yes, things were very different.
4: You don't like this place, do you, darling? Oh, it's, it's all right. You don't like me, do you? Oh, in It's your... because I'm too... Oh, for you. Enid, for heaven's sake. You'd like to leave this place, wouldn't you? <sighs> Enid, listen You'd up. like to leave me. Wouldn't you, Doc?
3: <laughs> I could have laughed out loud. All her plans, all her plots weren't working. She wasn't going to get him any clutches and break him down until he was less than nothing. A poor wreck of a man with no reason for living. He was going to save himself. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I did nothing but stretch my mystic powers and the lack of food and sleep made them greater and more powerful than ever before. You're leaving. I've got to. And you're not coming back. I can't.
4: You don't love me. Oh, Enid. You've never loved me. Please, I... Enid, don't!
3: I heard it. A gun went off. And then I heard the big black dog. He barked three times. Well, I had been wrong. My, my hopes had been too high. <laughs> Women, they're just too much for us. Their hatred is, is too much, too, too great, too deadly. Oh, I've been a fool to hope that just this was... Just this once. Well, it was Saturday, and after I'd collected all the trash, I thought I'd go down into town. Here, here's your beer, Rocky. Set it down. Well, you look like you need it. So, so
2: set it down. Well, your friend Luke's here, the deputy from Oldenburton. Luke, Marbury. Where? Why? Over there, at the table by the telephone. What's he doing here? Well, why don't you ask him? <laughs> Maybe I will.
3: I could get up and go over to Luke's table the door open and who comes in but Mrs. Enid Grant. What, what's she doing here? She killed a man just this morning. You, you think she'd skip town, hide out someplace. They mustn't have found the body yet or she wouldn't be here. But, oh, she looks terrible. White as a ghost. Hair all mussed up. What's she doing here? What does she want now? Well, we go to the payphone on the wall. And I get up and go over to the table where Luke's sitting. <clears throat> hi, Luke.
2: Uh, hi there, Ike.
3: Uh, okay to sit down? Oh, sure,
2: sit down. Now, uh,
3: what brings you to our putrid little village? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: making an arrest? No, no, nothing like that. Robert, this is Enid. Well, uh, look who's at the telephone.
3: Uh, who's that? Your tenant, Mrs. Enid Graham.
4: Oh, yeah. Robert, please, I know all that, and I was a fool.
3: Uh-oh, uh, who do you think she's
2: talking to? Oh, search me. Somebody named Robert.
4: Robert, I know. Yep, yeah,
2: yep, yeah, yeah, Robert. Yeah, not nice to Dr. Parky. Okay.
4: Robert, I called to ask you if you'd come and get me. At a place called Tipton. It's not on the map, but it's near a town called Oldenburg. I have a cabin up in the mountains. They'll tell you in the village where it is. It's above another cabin that belongs to a man named Absecker. Oscar Absecker.
3: Oh, was she ever a cool one. How many men did she have on the string? How many poor dumb fellas ready to give her anything she wanted? Why, she must have had dozens. A whole, a whole string of them. Well, I left Luke in the bar just sitting there. I don't think he even heard half of what Mrs. Eni Grant said in the telephone. I don't think he cared. But I cared. I went home in a hurry and waited outside my house to see if Robert would show up. And sure enough, a couple of hours later, he did. Hey there. Hey there. Yeah? Something the matter? Uh, You're a stranger here, aren't you? Yes, actually, I was looking for uh, Oscar afterker Oh. Oh, oh! well, then you're just the man I wanted to see. Yeah? I'm looking for a place belonging to Mrs. Grant. Uh, uh, Mrs. Enid Grant? Yeah. She said her house was just above yours. It is. You, uh, you continue on up this road about a quarter of a mile, and you'll come to a fork. Mm-hmm. You bear left there, and pretty soon you'll see your house. It, it's just a shack, but it's got bright red curtains in the windows. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, You a friend of hers? I'm her husband. Well, I stood there in the middle of the road. I I was stupefied, stunned. I I thought I knew about women, but this, 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 Jezebel, She killed a young lover. Then she gets her husband to get her out of it. Well, there's no end, I thought, to what they'll do to get what they want. And what they want is the man himself. To possess him, bewitch him, consume him. And at the very last, to destroy him. Scarcely able to contain myself, I went into the shelter of my hollow pine tree. And I closed my eyes, and I summoned up the vision. Oh, Robert. Now, Enid. Please, come in the house. She was asking him into the house. Was the body of her dead lover lying on the floor? I, 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 I couldn't make it out. Would would he see it? Well, she was hanging onto his arm as they walked inside, and she was wearing that same silly gown as before, the the, the the pink and the white women with all the ribbons and ruffles. Oh,
4: Robert, I have been such a fool. Tell me about it. I thought he loved me. He said so.
5: I thought I loved him. Uh, Tell me everything that happened.
4: Well, I... I ran off with him. You know that. I took this place. Then what? It was my chance to be young again. Don't you see? It was my last chance. I was so afraid of getting old. What happened? He... He met me here. And for a while, it was just what I'd hoped for. I felt so young. What happened? He... He left me.
5: Mm. I see.
4: He left this morning. Just got in his car and drove away. Oh,
3: Oh, how well she lied. How smooth the words rolled out of her mouth. And her husband just sitting there, taking it all in. But how had she done it? Where was the body of the young man she killed? Where was his yellow car? How had she gotten rid of the body and the car.
5: What do you expect me to do, Enid? I don't expect anything. Then why am I here? Why did you call me?
4: Uh, I don't know.
5: Uh, Of course you know. You expect me to take you back. Oh, Robert? You run off with some kid after we've been married for 20 years. I thought I'd been good to you, Enid. You had. You have. I'm through being good to you. I've just about had it.
4: You mean you won't?
5: I mean I won't take you back. That's exactly what I mean. Robert, don't go. Please don't go. I don't see any way you can stop me. Robert, wait. What is it, Enid?
3: I wasn't even surprised. She shot him next. I saw him fall. I left my hollow tree and went into the house. I waited for the big black dog to bark three times. I waited. I waited.
1: is it possible that the life of a solitary man in the isolated forest of a nameless mountain is not quite so dull and uneventful as we think? Perhaps so. Particularly if the man has mystic powers, is a traveling clairvoyant, and possesses a very old and hollow pine tree, and is of an inquiring mind. We'll be back shortly with our concluding act. Oscar Apsecker, as he has told us, stands in the hollow of a long-dead pine tree of his mountain cabin. By the extension of certain mystic powers, he has witnessed the murder of Mrs. Enid Grant, of her husband, Robert. In line with his tightly held belief, when someone on the mountain dies, a big black dog barks three times. But as our last act ended, there had been no sound from the big black dog. I waited and I waited.
3: The moon rose and the air chilled. Was it possible she'd missed? That that the shot had gone wild? The vision faded. I could see no more. There was nothing but silence. I don't know when the silver of the moonlight turned to the pale gold of the new sun, but the day was filtering down from the ocean top of my pine tree when I roused myself, and I was filled with anxiety. I started up the mountain. My heart was beating so fast. Why hadn't the black dog barked? Was she there with the still living, breathing body of her husband? Every, every, every everything was falling apart. I, I, I was confused. Were, were, were my powers failing me? The, the blood pounded in my head and everything was blurring before my eyes. And then I heard behind me a, an, an automobile horn, and, and, and someone calling my name.
2: Rocky, stop, wait! It's Luke. Now hold up. Yeah, I got to talk to you, Archie. I, I can't can't stop. Well, where do you think you're going? Cabin. Oh, Mrs. Grant's cabin? Well, come on now, Let me drive you. Come on. Uh, come on, get in. Okay. Say, you look beat. Doesn't matter. You, uh, you were in a hurry. Yeah. yeah.
3: What are you doing? Uh, you 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 turn around.
2: Well, I got to.
3: Uh, you said you're going to take me to a cabin.
2: Well, not right now. Yes, now, right no, now. Just take it easy, Archie. There's a dead man in that cabin. You can't just leave him lying there. Turn around,
3: go back. Maybe he's dead. I'm, I'm 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 not sure about that. But but he may be dying. And and, no, and she. I don't think so. You don't think he's dying? You. You don't think he may be dead? I'm pretty sure. You don't know anything about it. You you don't know what's been going on. Do you know, Hucky? I know all about it. Your Mrs. Enid Grant, your, your precious tenant, she killed him. Kill
2: who killed well,
3: who? First of all, she killed a young fella. Uh name was uh, Donna. Don, I think. He came up here in a yellow car
2: and moved in with her. And,
3: and And she shot him.
2: Well why did she do that? I think she meant to all along. You mean he walked into the house and she picked up a gun and it shot him no 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 no
3: they, they were all hugs and kisses for a while a, a couple, couple of weeks uh, well and, and and then she put on this dress.
2: what dress?
3: Long pink and white and blue with oh, with, 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 with ruffles and frills and and, and lace around the neck and, and, and a red rose and the guy, he he couldn't have been any more than twenty four, twenty five, and he, he he said something about the vest was too young for, and 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 he put me it was. Now tell me what happened, Doctor. She shot him. Oh, oh not right then, but but a, a few days later, he walks out on her, says he's leaving, and heads for the door, and she picks up a gun and shoots him.
2: Well, where did she get a gun?
3: Oh, and, and that was all my fault. When when she moved in. I asked her did did she have a gun and she said no she didn't want one and I said she should have one for protection against bears the, the, things like that too so, so I left her a gun of mine I I, I, I have other
2: ones. Okay, there's no bears in these woods. Uh,
3: how, how how do you know you you don't live here you live in Oldenburg you, you live in a town how would you know what's in these woods?
2: Well what happened after she shot the young fellow? She got rid of him. How? How do I know?
3: They're, they're clever. <laughs> and she got rid of his car too. And that night she came down to the bar and tipped and made the phone call. You, 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 you were there, Luca. You were there when she made it. I was? You and me, we were sitting at the table near the telephone. She called her husband. His name is is Robert. I I heard her calling that. I didn't know at the time he was her husband, but I, I found out later.
2: Well, how did you find out?
3: I heard them talking. She wanted him to take her back, but he said no nice he wasn't going to take her back. Who'd she think she was that he should take her back? And that was when she shot him.
2: Just like that? Just like
3: that. Only, only then, after she shot him, I waited. Yeah. You waited. I waited for the big black dog to bark three times. And he didn't. That's why I was trying to get to the cabin. I I thought if the big black dog didn't bark, maybe... Um, well, where are we, Luke?
2: Uh, we're in Oldenburg.
3: Why? What? what
2: for? The O.C. How, how did you know she did all those things, Hockey? Oh, I know all right. They're all alike. Half
3: sex and half hate. They're all alike and they're inferior. And they know it. Who? Who's inferior? L- listen, what are you stopping here for? This isn't a jail.
2: It's the hospital.
3: Her husband isn't dead. A...
2: Come on, Archie, get out. He's not dead.
3: Oh, oh, I see. That's why the big black dog didn't bark. He's not dead. How How bad is he hurt?
2: Well, he's not hurt at all, Archie. Now, come on, get out.
3: If he isn't hurt, what's he
2: doing in the hospital? He isn't in the hospital. She
3: is. I couldn't understand a word Luke was saying. He took me into the hospital. He led me down this long corridor. We came to a room. uh, He opened the door, and we walked in. And there she was, sitting in a chair. One of her arms was in a sling. You could hardly see it, because she had on this gown, this this dress all frilly and fussy. Yes, it was the same one, all pink and blue with lace and a red rose.
2: Hello, Mr. Optaker. Come in and sit down. Uh, Hockey, you want to sit down? Uh, Excuse me, uh, I have to use the phone. Do please sit down, Mr. Optaker, if you want
4: to.
3: Give me the desk you got the same thing on. That's the same thing you had on when that young man walked out on you. Please, Mr. Hapfinger, look I, I'd know it anywhere. All lace and frills and a rose. Aki? She's got the same thing on. I I, told you about it. They had a, a fight over that thing. He said she was too old to wear that kind of thing. Well,
2: now, just take it easy, Aki. What did you
3: do with his body? Now, how did you get rid of it? Now come on, now Archie. And, and how did you get rid of his car? That's not what we're here for. Don't you care if she killed a man and got rid of his body? Good Lord, a man is dead and she's just sitting there. But the
2: man isn't dead. He is. She shot him. I saw her do it. I, I heard the shot. No, he's not dead. And her husband isn't dead either. But I know. And she what? just has a bullet wound in her shoulder. Excuse me, I think. Oh, uh, come in, Mr. Grant. Uh, is that the man? I say, Hockey, uh, turn around this way a little bit more, will you?
5: Yes, that's the man.
2: Are uh, you a positive? I talked to
5: him on the road a short while before. I asked him the way to my wife's place. He told me. We had a brief but very pleasant chat. I remember him perfectly.
2: And is he the man you saw looking through the window of your wife's cabin later? Definitely. You saw him raise the gun.
3: Yes, it was a rifle.
2: Uh, thank you, Mr. Grant. What's he talking about? What's he talking
3: about? That man doesn't know anything. He doesn't know me. What's he talking about? Come on. I'm taking you home. I was so stunned and so shocked by what that man had said. A, a man I thought was dead. And the other man too, the young one, they they said he wasn't dead either, but but I knew he was and that woman sitting in that hospital room in that pink and blue frilly thing she she had on. She was the reason for all this. Uh, Well, I simply could not understand what was happening in the... I just stared out of the window of Luke's car.
2: Uh, She may not prefer charges, Aki. Aki, did you hear me? Hmm? Well, Mrs. Grant may not press charges against you. I don't know. I haven't discussed it with her. Oh, what kind of charges? Well, assault, I guess. Assault? I never assaulted her. I
3: wouldn't do a thing like that. I never went near her. I wouldn't. Assault with a deadly weapon. Ridiculous. Why would I do a thing like that? I don't know, Archie. Why would you? Look, everybody's got everything all mixed
2: up. Yeah, you may have to go to jail, Archie. What for? Well, Mr. Grant identified you as the man who put that shot through the window and hit Mrs. Grant in the shoulder. Can you believe that? On the other hand, they may just send you away for arrest someplace. Or some very nice place. Tell me something, uh... Tell me something, Archie. Sure. What gave you the idea that Mrs. Grant shot that young man and her husband?
3: I saw her.
2: Oh. Luke,
3: I am a traveling clairvoyant. Uh,
2: a uh, traveling clairvoyant?
3: Well, you know what clairvoyance is, don't you?
2: Well, I think so. It's the power to see things not present to the senses.
3: Oh. saw heard everything that went on in Mrs. Grant's cabin. Oh, oh, it it wasn't easy. It it never is. You see, clairvoyant has to go into a very deep, deep trance. Uh, uh, you know. I didn't know. And to do this, it's best if he's in a very, very small place, like a little tiny room or a closet or something. But for traveling clairvoyance, well, that's much harder. So you know what I did? Oh, what'd you do? I got inside that old pine tree outside my house. You got inside a... Pine tree? Yeah, the one that got stuck by lightning, the, the the dead one, the hollow one. You you remember that tree? Yes, I remember that tree. Yeah, well, it was a tight squeeze, but I would get myself inside that hollow tree, and I would close my eyes and summon up my mystic powers.
2: Are uh, uh, you following me? Yeah, sure. All uh, right, you're home. No. Oh, yeah. Then get out. Okay. Are uh, you coming in? Yeah, I'm uh, going to stay with you. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. About that pine tree, Hockey. Oh, 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 yes. Well, I would squeeze myself. We if... cut down that old pine tree five years ago. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. Go <laughs> yeah. on inside. I was with you, when we cut it down. We cut it down together.
3: Got everything just all mixed up. I know my old pine tree is right outside, and anytime I want to, anytime I feel like it. Oh, uh, well. On the other hand, maybe I better save my powers for the book I'm going to write. It's going to be called The Treachery of Women. Yep, is that as that, that fellow writer, that uh, August Strindberg, said? Women are half sex. And half, hate.
1: I wonder if Oscar Apsecker ever completed his book on the treachery of women. If he did, August Strindberg might well approve it. And of Oscar Apsecker himself. For Mr. Strindberg not only mistrusted women, but he wrote, in the great crises of life, the soul attains Transcendent Powers. I'll be back shortly. I haven't kept track of Oscar Absecker. I don't know if he's in jail or an arrest home or still living in his cabin on the wooded mountain. I don't know for certain that he's alive. Well, I hope he is. I hope sincerely that he wasn't done in by some treacherous woman. That would be a terrible fate for a traveling clairvoyant. Our cast included Fred Gwynn, Terry Keene, Lloyd Batista, and Don Scardino. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale.
2: How could this child survive? I won't question it. Why not? Because it's a miracle. Oh, come on, Joyce. I mean it.
3: Joyce, we don't believe that stuff.
4: I do. What? I never did. But I do now. I believe it. Oh, Joyce. It's a miracle. Come on, now. This abandoned child, he survived. Yes? And we found him. Well, all right. And that's part of the miracle. Oh, look, Joyce, please. please. Now, why, why did we get off the turnpike?
2: Because you made an issue well, of it. Don't I always?
4: Why did we take that turn in the road?
1: Just a series of coincidences, that's all. Sure. What do you think a miracle is? Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Sinoff, the Sinus Medicines. Mrs. E. G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time pleasant dreams.